Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3JT. That's G3JT. This is a kingdom. Welcome back to Cooper Stuff. This is such a special episode. You cannot miss it. I want you to say hello to two of my new good friends, Daryl Harrison. What's up? What's up? What's up, Cooper Stuff crowd? You got it to Virgil Walker. What's going on? What's going on? I'm Mahizi in the building. Ready to, ready to jump this thing <laughs> off, Coop, man. Let's do it. <laughs> we are going to have fun today. I got my good friends from the Just Thinking podcast. It is going to be fire. Listen, I am pleading with people to watch this episode. If you're someone or if you know someone who maybe doesn't agree with me on a lot of stuff, doesn't agree with what I've had to say in the past about some of the what I see as dangers of all the talks about systemic racism and critical race theory and the ideas of racial reconciliation and on all the new ideas we're hearing about black safe spaces and churches and the problem of color blindness in the church and all the things that we're all worked up about all the time. We are going to have answers for that today. Not because you're going to hear from me. You ain't going to hear from me. You're going to hear from some people a lot smarter than me. So I'm pleading with you. I really believe this is an important episode that can really, really do some great things because I believe that God has a much more, much more beautiful answer for our problems about race than we could ever do. He talked about true unity. It's going to be beautiful. You're going to love it right here on Cooper Stuff. Yep, 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 yep. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cooper Stuff. I can't tell you how excited I am. Uh, there is a podcast that you guys have to watch. It is called Just Thinking. Go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Look up Just Thinking. It's with Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, who we have on today. I can't believe that they said they would come on and share a bunch of truth. And, and so here's what we're going to do. Instead of doing a really long introduction, because I want to get in to the goods, all right? I don't want to mess around, but I do think it makes sense for us to have a, a tiny bit of bona fides why you should listen to these guys. They, they've really, uh, really, my, they fed my soul. Let me just say oh, that wow. they've given me Bible truth and uh, I'm so thankful for it. So can we do this? We'll start, Daryl, with you. Give us a little bit of bona fides. What, who are you? What do you do? Yeah, thanks, Cool. First of all, man, thanks for having Virgil and me on. This, this is a blessing, bro. It's such a privilege to be on with you, man. We love your heart. We love your passion for the Lord, your passion for the gospel, man. So thanks for having us on today, man. We appreciate awesome. it. So, so yeah, so I'm Daryl Harrison. Um, I live in uh, Southern California now. Uh, my wife, Melissa, and I relocated here from Atlanta two years ago. Uh, I'm on staff with Grace to You, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. John MacArthur. I served uh, there in the capacity of Dean of Social Media. I am the co-host, along with my ride or die dude, G-Dub, Omaha Walker, 
And uh, we co-host the Just Thinking Podcast together. The uh, Just Thinking Podcast is three years old. We launched in December of 2017. Our uh, mission statement is that we take political, social, theological, and cultural issues, and we exposit them through the word of God. So that's a little bit about me. And as Coop said, we do encourage you to go out to whatever podcaster you use or podcaster you use to listen to and subscribe to the Just Thinking Podcast. So that's me, Coop. Love it. I love it. I love it. All right, next. You go go for it now. I'm Virgil Omaha Walker, known as Omaheasy. And uh, that's mainly because for those who don't know and haven't listened to the show, I, I reside in the very middle of the country in Omaha, Nebraska. And so that was the moniker that uh, my dear brother uh, Daryl chose to give me. And uh, it has stuck. Everybody, few people even know who Virgil Walker is. They primarily know who Omaha is. And so that's <laughs> that's me. Uh, I've been here in uh, Nebraska for about a, a little over a decade. Uh, my wife and I uh, met in Oklahoma uh, and, uh, and he, are here. I have three children uh, as well. One has has flown the, flown the cuckoo's nest, so to speak. She's on her own, but I still got two boys rip, rip running through here. So that's, that's me. Uh, I am, from a standpoint of work, I just uh, began a new position as the executive director uh, for G3 Ministries. That is the ministry of Dr. Josh Bice. And so it's a massive conference. We got to get you to come uh, with us. Indeed, really. I, I definitely want you, to, want you to come and be a part of of what we're doing at G3. So we'll have to talk about that offline and see what that looks like. But uh, I, I get a chance to do that. I get a chance to to, to be a part of this uh, amazing platform uh, that Daryl has provided with Just Thinking. And so I just came alongside him and desired to help him uh, do what he does best. He's a phenomenal writer and thinker. And uh, my goal, because I had a little bit of radio experience just to help him uh, amplify that voice, he takes the lead. Uh, I ride side saddle and we make things work. And so we've been uh, excited about how God is, has just exposed our podcast in so many different ways and spaces. Uh, it's it's the, one of the top 10 Christian podcasts in the country. We were ecstatic, bro, when we saw you on Dr. James White uh, doing an interview. Dr. James White is we're, we're a big fan of, we followed for years. So to see you on with one of our Just Thinking hats <laughs> is what was what did it. We took pictures and, and, and started posting and started reaching out to you. And uh, man, we've been so blown away by the kind of uh, God honoring theologian that you're growing into. And, and I know that your audience is respecting what, what you're doing, the book you've written, uh, the places you've been as a result, man. It's been, it's been awesome to watch what God is doing in, in and through your life, not only with Skillet, but, but now in, in kind of a different phase and a different phase and place where you are. So we're honored to be with you, man, and looking forward to uh, just, just taking our relationship, our friendship to a whole nother level. Well, I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, this I'm wearing my, my just thinking hat as we speak. People mm -hmm. probably seen it in photos or whatnot, but uh, I appreciate it. I actually uh, heard of you guys. I got to give a shout out to my older brother. Now, I got a funny story for you here. My older brother is a lot. He's a lot more intellectual than me. And uh, a couple of years ago, I started getting into all this stuff. I was just like, how come there's nobody saying this stuff in the Christian world? Because the truth is, is there were. But, but you, it's hard to get out there. People don't know about what's out there. And so my brother said, 
you got to check out the Just Thinking guys. So I got to give him a shout out. He's the reason. And yes, I'd love to come to G3, but I'm not smart enough to say anything, but I can come and be a hype guy. I, I can have the <laughs> towel and I can be like, I'll be, all, I'll be like, oh my. Oh, yeah, we, may have, we, may have, we may have to work that out. Cause I, I think, I think uh, Daryl, we, we've got an invite to come speak. We might need a hype man. We might need a, need a third party. <laughs> you you know, no, you know what we need to, what we need to do, Virgil, we need to open up one of uh, Skillet's shows for them that's what we need to do we, we, we need to open up the skillet <laughs> that would be, that would be a, a, a cultural mashup indeed indeed bro indeed. that would be a pretty good one well let's jump into this and well, i'm so excited about having you guys because you guys are are, are are very intellectual and here, here's the deal christianity not just not just culture not just the world you know we talk about the world a lot the world is like this the world as we like to say it has infiltrated Christianity. It has infiltrated the Christian church in America, the way that we think. And the Christian church is becoming more concerned with ideology than theology. That's what it seems like to me. And what I thought we could start with would be this. When we look at all the, the, the rate, we have systemic racism talks, we have systemic oppression talks, we've got racial reconciliation talks. We have all of these talks the way that I see it, and you guys will be able to explain a lot better to me, is that the Bible says some truly amazing things about what it means for people such as you and me who look different and might be from different places in the country or whatever. The Bible says amazing stuff about what we, who we are together, right? And I think that the ideology of the world that, that the world says is virtuous and, and, and wonderful and, you know, brings all this uh, social justice. I think that their version actually is a lot less <laughs> beautiful than the gospel. Right. Can we start there with, with whichever one of you wants to take that? Can you tell me, what does the Bible say about this? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to kick us off, man? Yeah, I, I can, man. I think at the end of the day, I think what, what you're asking for, John, is just, how, how do we how do we look at and, and provide kind of a definitional framework for these categories, right? Because if, if we can if we can anchor ourselves in a biblical category from the beginning, then we can examine truth from falsehood, right? You, you hear you hear the old adage that uh, that that those who are in, are in the secret service, one of the ways that they look for counterfeit bills, right? And they they look for counterfeit bills, and they they do so first by examining the real thing, and and they know the real thing so incredibly well that they're able to spot the fake, right? Mm -hmm. What's happened in in Christianity primarily has been we've ignored the real thing, mm, right? We've, yes. we, we've, we, we haven't spent as much time examining scripture and having biblical frameworks, having biblical definitions for who is man, right? And when we talk about ethnicity or race, what do we mean by those things? Mm. Because we haven't done that well, right? We've been able to be, be infiltrated by culture who's providing their own definitions through critical race theory, through intersectionality, through social justice. And they're now telling us this is how the categories of mankind need to be set up. The question you asked was, how do we begin? Well, I think we begin from the beginning, right? In the book of Genesis, Genesis 1.27, that God created mankind in his image and likeness. And as a result of that reality, we know that there's one human race and that we are unified in that result. We often on our show 
quote Acts 17, 26, where, where Paul unpacks the fact that, that God created one man. And from that one man, he gets multiple ethnicities. He gets every nation of mankind. That word nation there in the Greek is the word ethnos, which is where we get the term ethnicities. So, so when we have a biblical anthropology about who man is, and not only that, about his sin nature, Genesis chapter three, we're going to understand that there was the fall of mankind and that sin entered the world. Romans chapter five, we're going to unpack the fact that through one man, that sin comes and infects and impacts the whole of mankind. And so all of us are sinners and have fallen short of the glory of God. Those categories are critical. Having the, having the clarity of those kinds of definitions are critical so that when we engage culture or culture tries to infiltrate the way you put it, John, that, 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 that they try to infiltrate uh, the, the church, we can say, no, we know the real. So now we can absolutely examine the fake, right? Yes, yes. Now, wait a minute. Are you saying that me and you, we look different? I don't know if you noticed that. We look different. Are you saying that ultimately... We have the same daddy. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we, are, we are from the same creator. The same creator created us both. One human race, right? Yeah. Multiple ethnicities. Mm-hmm. You have a gorgeous beard. I do not, right? But that, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, that, but that doesn't make us any less human, right? Mm-hmm. I have more melanin in my skin than you do. But that doesn't make us any more or less human, than we can be as a result of the creator who created us. Absolutely. Let me just add to what Virgil said. Virgil and, and Coop, you know this because you've listened to so many episodes of our podcast that one of, one, of the, one of the things that we are so dogmatic about on our podcast is defining terms, okay? We, we, we don't even launch into, and this is one reason why, uh, and again, just for the sake of your listeners who may be new, to us, to our faces, to our names, to our to our podcast. The Just Thinking Podcast is a long-form expositional podcast. And one reason it's long-form, we have episodes that on average last about 90 minutes. We have some episodes that go two, two and a half hours. Well, one reason is, is one reason for that is because we take the time to define terms. Because when you define terms, and we've said this repeatedly, words are important because words have meaning. And it's the meaning of words that establish the context of the conversation. So if you don't know the definition of the terms, you don't know the context in which the terms are going to be used, you're going to be talking over one another. So it's very, very important to understand that, that when, we, when we talk about categories, when we talk about definitions, that those are not terms, those are not words that we should just gloss over because they're incredibly important as we talk about these issues through what the gospel says. Now, Coop, you mentioned earlier that the church is being infiltrated with all these worldly views such as uh, CRT, the social gospel, uh, liberation theology. I would disagree with you on one small point. See, I don't think today in 2021, we, we may have said a few decades ago that the church was being infiltrated by those ideals and by those philosophies. But today in 2021, it's the, church, the church isn't being infiltrated anymore. Mm. You see, it's not infiltration when you open the doors and let these ideas in. Yep. That, that's not infiltration anymore. Yep. That's welcome. Come on in. We're going to roll out the red carpet. We're going to roll out the welcome mat so that you can uh, uh, bring into God's body, the church, these other worldly mm. ideas and philosophies under the umbrella of uh, and, 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 and analytical tools that we can learn from. 
Mm. Okay, yeah. so Virgil said something mm. very, Virgil talked about the categories, but I would argue, see, the fact that we have categories is part of the problem. Virgil, Virgil raised Acts 17, 26, that through one man, that one man being Adam, God created every nation, every people group, every ethnicity to live on the face of the earth. See, that's, the, that's one category. See, the Bible speaks really of, of two categories. One category is our genus as human beings, okay? We all have the same daddy, as you said, Coop. We all come from Adam in human terms, okay? We all come from Adam. Every single one of us can trace our lineage back to Adam uh, as our earthly father. But the second category is singular as well, and, and as far as God is concerned, and that is the body. We are, we are one body in Christ, one body in Jesus Christ. All these categories of individuals, uh, depending on uh, whatever your uh, uh, aesthetic uh, category may be, mm -hmm. uh, black, white, brown, red, female, male, uh, poor, wealthy, all those categories are done away with in Christ, you yes. see. But I want to say something that may come across very harsh, but I don't mean it this way. You mentioned uh, the term uh, uh, earlier, verse uh, uh, in talking about coup. Uh, and, I, and I'm with you on that. This, this brother here, John Cooper, is developing into such a sharp young theologian. And, and that's the proper word. That's the proper word. We are all to be Bereans. Every Christian, it's like Dr. R.C. Sproul said, every Christian is a theologian. And what we need, Coop, is, is what the church needs today. We need better theologians who, can, who, who know the word of God so well to you to, to, to play on the, uh, the uh, analogy that Virgil used. And as someone who uh, spent over 20 years in banking and finance, I understand exactly the, the analogy that Virgil used. We need people in the church who know the word of God so well, who are so well versed in it, who are so convicted by what the word says that they can recognize before these false worldly ideologies even hit the front doors of the church, they can Come see on. it coming. Come on. They can yeah. see it coming and say, no, no, no. And they can say, no, you're not welcome here. You are not welcome here. We yeah. know what the truth is. The truth is the truth. As Jesus said in John 17, thy word is true. Thy word is true, which means whatever isn't thy word, is it true? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so we, need, we need better theologians. We need better uh, uh, ideal and philosophical and, and ideological inspectors who can filter these lies and these errors and these heresies through the word of God and stand their ground on what the gospel says and reject that and shut the doors of their churches to these lies. Oh man, I can't agree with that any louder. I love it. That's 100%. But let me ask you this though. You said that we are all now, we are one body, right? We are, we are, we are the one new man in Christ Jesus. We are one body. So is that not better is that not, I guess what I'm trying to say is that that is the beauty of the, uh, of the gospel, something that, that we couldn't do on our own. In other words, there is no secular version of everybody becoming one thing. And, and all of these aesthetics, as you put it, which I think is a great way to say it, all of those aesthetics not, not mattering, there's no version of that. Instead, their idea of what would be wonderful would be breaking everybody up into different groups. Yes, right and pitting them all against each other for some sort of other justice thing. So right. 
uh, do you so w w what are we to do with, what are we to do with that are we you know the uh, first corinthians that there is no there is no jew there is no gentile mm -hmm. there is no mm -hmm. slave there's no free i mean is it not fair to say and you guys answer this better than me is it not fair to say that the jews and the gentiles had more hostility between them than our current issues in america Yes, that's true. That's absolutely true. Virg, I'll jump in here real quick and then let, let you follow me up. But you're absolutely right. You know, Coop, you said earlier something that you just reiterated, that the uh, the unity, and that's, a, that's an overused word today as well, but the unity that we have and the bond that we have with one another within the body of Christ is so much better than the unity and the, uh, the, the bonding that the world is trying to accomplish. Well, the reason that it looks better in the church Coop, is because what the world is trying to accomplish is manufactured unity. Mm. It's manufactured unity. And see, when you think about it, here we are in 2021. What the world doesn't get, but, but that the world continues to pursue, but what they don't understand in, their, in the futility of their minds, what they do not understand is that if we just in our own finite human strength had the capacity, the ability to become one as a human race, we would have done that already. Yep. If yep. it were possible for, if it were innately, inherently possible for us to have done that, we would have done that. Mm. But here we are still in 2021, still climbing that hill, still on that ethical, moral treadmill, putting in all that effort and getting absolutely nowhere. Okay, but you're absolutely right when you look, see, but here's the thing. I'm going to go to Ephesians 2 real quick. Ephesians 2.16, where Paul is writing to the uh, Ephesian church. And let me, let me go back to verse 14. Paul says, for he himself, that is Christ, is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Let me stop right there. Virg is the pastor here, so I'm not going to preach. I'm going to let Virg preach. I'm not, I'm not a pastor, but I'm let verse do the preaching. But listen, listen to what Paul is saying here. For Christ is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the divine wall. Now, if the gospel tells us clearly here, and it does, that Christ, it is through Christ that these barriers are broken down. Why are we trying to go outside of Christ mm -hmm. to break down these barriers? Come and, on. And, 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 and here's, here's, the, here's the hypocrisy of it all. Here's how futile all that is is that we were talking about categories again and distinctions and definitions. What they're having to do is create different walls. They're building up walls by virtue of these categories and then, and, and then calling that unity and calling that oneness. You see, and what, what the church is missing here, the church is being sucked into this. And what we have here, Coop, is that we have a bunch of churches in evangelicalism, a bunch of churches, a bunch of pastors who don't know the difference between the gospel and moralism. Woo! They, don't, they don't know the difference. And say see, it again. Is, say it again. Is, yeah, so, so they don't, they don't oh, know so, the difference. So, so nice, you got to say it twice. Yes, right. They don't know the difference between the gospel and moralism. So now you have, under this whole social gospel banner, under the banner of social justice and equity and equality and everything, you've got, uh, I hate these terms, okay? I want to make this clear to your audience. I hate using these terms, but for the sake of conversation, I'm going to use them. But you have white churches and then you have black churches merging together under the guide of under the guise of reconciliation. See, that's manufactured unity. That's manufactured oneness. Because you see, cool, what could happen is 
I can be sitting in, a, I can be a, as a black man sitting in a pew next to you in church. Now, aesthetically on the outside, somebody would look at that and say, oh yeah, so that's, 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 uh, that's reconciliation. We're sitting next to each other under the same roof in a church building with four walls. But see, no one can read into my heart, Coop. No one can read into your heart. That's right. No, no, one can, no one can read into my heart and say, well, yeah, I might be sitting next to this, this white guy. But if, but if I still, nobody can tell me that because I'm sitting next to him that that doesn't mean I don't, I don't view him as an oppressor. No one can tell me that because he's sitting next to me that he doesn't view me uh, as uh, the N-word. You see, so, so the, the heart is what's important and not all these aesthetics that are only manufactured evidences of uh, unity. Verg, what you got, man? No, I, I think, I mean, you, you nailed it. I, I had my Bible open to Ephesians 2 with regard to the issue of reconciliation. That, you know, Coop, you had mentioned, you know, Galatians 3.23, where it talks about, 3.28, where it talks about there's neither Jew, Greek, male, female, uh, slave free, but we're all yes. one in Christ. What we've done, and yes. and and, and um, Daryl alluded to it, is we 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 have we those who have embraced the idea that the way forward is social justice or critic or, or critical race theory as an analytical tool or some other idea. What they've done is they've diminished. I don't care how they try to explain it. They have diminished. The, the view of scripture, they have diminished. Scripture is insufficient. The, the God, God in, in, in his, in, in his um, uh, ability, right? And in, in, in his sovereignty is insufficient to unite. They don't believe what the word of God says. They don't, they, first of all, they don't know what the word of God means by what it says. And they don't believe anything regarding it because what they're appealing to is something outside of- and contrary to what scripture actually says about us. If you truly believe Galatians 3, and you truly believe that we are no longer male, female, slave free, mm. there would be no category. Hey man, come on, bro. If, if come you, on. If you truly believe that, there would be no need for anything else. You would say, Scripture says it, I believe it. Yes. Let's walk therein. That would be. Amen. It. Come on. Amen. Period. That's right. I mean, and let me, let, cool. Can I just add one last thing? I love do. what Virgil says. Virgil, Virgil used a, 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 some phraseology there that's also being overused within the church today. He, he used the words the way forward. The way forward. So everybody's asking that question. Well, what's the way forward? What's the, well, I'll tell you. What, let me answer that question once for all. <laughs> the way forward is through the way. Yes. <laughs> The way forward is through the way. The way forward is through the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's the Where's way the heaven forward. be? Cool. You got some heaven, you got some heaven be on here, bro. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> the way forward is through the way. Why, why, why are we acting as if Virgil killed it? Virgil nailed it. We we have, and I don't mean I don't say this in a condescending way. So when I use this word, please understand the context in which I'm saying it. But there's a degree of biblical illiteracy within the church that is leading to what Virgil pointed out. Virgil, it was so simple what he said, but it wasn't simplistic. It was very profound, very important. If you just believe what the scripture says, you, you, you listen, walk therein, walk yeah. in it. You walk in that. If you believe it, 
Walk it out. We don't, we don't need some sort of extra biblical third way, some extra biblical way forward. Christ, Christ already paved the way forward for us by being the way forward. Yes. Amazing. This, this, this really isn't hard. You, you, all, all we have to do is what Jesus himself said in the very first sermon he gave after he was tempted in the wilderness in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, repent and believe in the gospel. It's really that simple. I love it. Yes, it does. And first of all, let me say uh, thanks to Virgil for cor correcting my scripture reference. That's, that's uh, Galatians, not First Corinthians. You're you're right about that. And and and, and I want to stick. I want to stay on the theological, but I want to tell listeners, we are going to get to some of those practical things because you know, uh, Daryl, you just touched on it. Like in terms of the well, what about the way forward? What about this? What about that? We're going to talk about some of those things. I, but I want to keep on the theological because we're, we're nailing it and I'm interested and I love learning from you guys. But to anybody that says, yeah, I hear you guys. I hear you, Virgil. I hear you, Daryl. But the Bible doesn't, the Bible doesn't understand our unique time. They don't understand this unique thing that is happening in culture. And I just want to mention this one thing because, because I've, I've got I've got people here that will know the answer and I'm basically using you. I'm using you to, to, to ask all the questions I want to ask. I'm reading about things that are, that are new for me. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Covenantalism. I'm reading about this amazing, uh, um, the power in the old covenant of circumcision and what that meant to the Jewish people, the sacred thing that you are the people that I chose. And for people outside of the covenant, what that would have meant. And I think I just want you guys to touch on, if you don't mind, uh, we already said this, you know, once, but yes, we're in uh, America. I understand this might be slightly different, but it ain't that different in the end. You're talking about a group of people that naturally did, you know, naturally speaking, did not belong together. They were outside of the circumcision. Mm -hmm. can, can, can one of you guys touch on the, the, the importance of that? Yeah, well, I think what you've got, is you've got the, the reality of two separate groups of people ordained by God to be separate for the purpose of bringing forth Christ, right? So you had the, the issue of circumcision, which was something to separate the people of God as a covenant people from everyone else. This is the designation that you have that, that separates Jew and Gentile, right? Yeah. Uh, that was a real, true, honest divide. What we, what we currently have today with the issues of ethnicity or race does, and I always use air quotes when I say that, uh, th that, that, is, that is a social cultural construct. Th those, aren't, those aren't real divides. Those aren't real divisions. We've created them to be divisions yes. for the purpose of, of, of racism, right? Colorism and the like. We, we've got all kinds of issues as a result of this new, new false construct. But there was a real divide ordained by God to separate the people of God from all from everyone else. Here's the thing. There is still that divide. There is still that divide. Mm -hmm. yep. We talked about two categories. There are those who now, are at, who now as a result of covenant and, and, a, and a repentance and placing faith in, in the finished work of Christ who are in Christ. Yes. And those who are in Adam, there are really only two kinds of people, regardless of the level mm -hmm. of melanin yes. mm -hmm. in their skin. Mm -hmm. And the two kinds of people that are walking the face of the earth oh, are those who are in Christ 
and, and as a result of being in Christ, have been reconciled to God the Father and will experience eternal life. And those who are in Adam, who are separated from God as a result of their sin and will experience the full penalty and payment for that sin. When we understand those two clear categories, there is good news. The good news is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. That, that those who were outside of the covenant of grace now have access through Christ into, the, into, into, into that grace that's been given through, through God the Father. That's the good news, man. That's, that's what we should be excited about. That's what we preach. We are, as a result, those who are in Christ are now, you want to talk about reconciliation? We are ministers, of yes. reconciliation. Yes. We have a responsibility to reconcile those who are no who are not in Christ back to God the Father through Jesus Christ. And that message is not CRT. That message is not BLM. That message is not is not social justice. That message is not intersectionality. Mm-hmm. It is the gospel of come Jesus on, Christ that needs to be preached. Amen. Man, come on, come on. Hey, hey, hey Coop, let me just say this. Uh, Virgil mentioned one of the most abused words in the church today, and that's that word reconciliation. Yes. Yeah, I'm, touch I'm so on glad, that for me. Touch I'm so on. glad Virgil went to Ephesians 2 because that's one of the most misinterpreted, misconstrued, misunderstood passages in the entire mm-hmm. entirety of the New Testament. Uh, the reconciliation that we are called to as believers in Jesus Christ is exactly what Virg said, what Virg exposited on right there. That is the reconciliation that we who are in Christ are calling those who are outside of Christ into, into that reconciliation with God. That's what Paul says. He says, I plead with you, I implore you, be reconciled to God, yes. not to one another. And see, here, here, I want just I want to, if I can tie this back to a point I was making earlier on this whole way forward thing. The reason people who, who come who approach you and say, well, you know, well, the Bible's not applicable to, to 21st century America. You know, I really don't see the gospel uh, as the answer to the problems that we face here in America with regard to racial uh, disunity, racial discord, uh, racial reconciliation. Well, you know, that's because they don't understand that that's not what the gospel is designed to accomplish. <laughs> Paul's, Paul, we, we, we said in our most recent episode, episode 106, on a biblical exposition of unity. That is not the, the purpose of the gospel. It's not to bring about some sort of kumbaya campfire Christianity where we all just come alongside one another as if we're surrounded in a circle around a campfire singing kumbaya. And, and that's not the kind of unity that, that the gospel is designed to accomplish. Let me remind people, of, see, see, I'm about, I've got so much on my mind right now, I'm stumbling on what I want to say. But the first thing I want to say is because we have, we have this view of Jesus, what I call hippie Jesus. The, 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 the majority of the evangelical church views hippie Jesus as this, this uh, Jesus who's just walking along uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the beach on, on, on the coast of California during sunset or sunrise, barefoot, or maybe wearing some flip-flops, I don't know, just tossing rose petals left and right, holding up a peace sign, saying love, 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 peace, 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 love. See, that's hippie Jesus. That's, that's, the, that's the visage that most 21st century evangelicals have of Jesus. So they have that visage of Jesus and they uh, impart that, vis- that visage of Jesus onto the current landscape. That the, In that the landscape, well, we're all supposed to just get along. We're supposed to be unified with one another. We're supposed to join hands together, not have any uh, 
arguments, distractions, distinctions whatsoever. But that's not what the gospel uh, is about. See, you could achieve that without Jesus. You can achieve that kind of uh, manufactured unity without Jesus. You don't need Jesus for that. Okay. <laughs> but let me remind people that Jesus himself said, do not think that I came to bring peace. He said, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. <clears throat> Jesus himself. See, this is why I'm so glad that Jesus said this and not one of the disciples. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't, you can't, <laughs> so you can't discount this because this came directly from Jesus himself. <laughs> he said, I came to put a mother and daughter against one another. I came to put a father and son against one another. See, that word against is very, very important. This is why Jesus came. See, Jesus adds by subtraction. He adds to his church by subtraction. Because when you study the gospel, Jesus rejected more people than he took in. Right. He rejected more people than he accepted. So a, 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 a mistake that many, many people make about the gospel is that in this world, it's supposed to achieve this kind of temporal uh, unity, this temporal nirvana. Uh, but that's not what the gospel is about. The gospel is, as Paul said, to save you from this perverse and wicked generation. That's what Paul teaches. Mm -hmm. Paul said, be saved from this perverse and wicked generation. So the goal of the gospel is not to accomplish some temporal, man-centered, humanistic moralism. That is not the gospel. The gospel teaches us that this world is passing away. Why am I wasting my time trying to make better a world that's going to be destroyed? Hmm. It makes no sense whatsoever. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of, that's a lot of good stuff. Uh, that, that, that actually leads me into what I want to ask you guys. I am dying to know what you're going to say. <laughs> I'm dying to ask you guys this question. All right, let's, let's move from, from where we're at because I'm sure you guys have noticed this too. There's, there's a new movement from a lot of the woke pastors and, and the people that, that maybe were quite into the, let's see, they seem to me to be quite into the racial reconciliation movement, as you said, the CRT movement, um, all of that stuff. They might agree with most everything you guys just said now, but now they're saying, oh, no, no, we kind of agree with that, but there's always a but, but we need to recognize the fact that we are different at, uh, cultures or uh, whatever that word is. Okay. So in other words, yeah, okay. We're all from the same daddy. That's fine. We're all one in Christ Jesus, but they use this scripture from revelation. As you guys know, uh, I believe it's revelation seven, nine. I wrote it down. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, that's, that's yeah. right. Every tribe. But, yeah. Revelation seven, every tribe and every tongue and every people, every language. And they use that in my opinion, I want you guys to tell me if you agree with this, they use that to focus the fact that we are from different places as the primary importance of the scripture. So instead of the, instead of saying, Hey, God's brought all these people together from all over the world to bring us into the one new man, they say, well, we're the one new man in order to celebrate all of our different cultures. And could you, I mean, I believe that God made me to be the way I am because it brought him pleasure. And I believe that he made you to be the way you are because it brought him pleasure un unto his purposes. I'm, I feel great about that, but I, I, I don't quite understand this thing where I don't quite understand where we're at on this and just delve into that. Tell me what's up. I'm dying to know what you think. Well, I, I'll, I'll jump in and knowing my brother will, will, uh, will pick up whatever, I, whatever I laid down or left off. Um, first of all, 
that text of scripture, if you notice, the focus is not on the people. Uh, the people are a very are a description. Uh, they're, they're being described from every tribe, tongue, nation, right? But yeah. what are they there for? <laughs> they are there <laughs> to worship the one true and living God. That's the focus of the text, right? Yes. They're there to say, holy, holy, holy. Man, come on, lo- that's, that's the focus. Uh, the focus is not, oh, look at all these races of people. That is not the focus of that text. The focus of that text is how all of these people are glorifying the one true and living God Amen. who is directly responsible for bringing all of those people into his glory to begin with. Yeah, hallelujah. Man, That's the focus of the text. The focus of the text is not us and, and how much melanin we do or don't compare to the next person next to us. The focus is on the sovereign God. Here's the crazy part about that. That verse actually displays every works-based action they want to take. Because what they're trying to tell us, Coop, is that we have to look at our churches and make sure that they reflect what this text of scripture says. We have to now put in different types of works, different types of actions, different types of things. We need to, we need to embrace CRT. We need to social, God, social justice. We need to embrace all these things so that we could recruit people to our churches that look like this and that, make sure we have the right ethnic breakdowns and makeups. When what that text is saying is, regardless of what you do, God is going to get the people into his church that he preordained before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Yes. That he's already preordained that. He's, he's pre-prescribed that. He has chosen us. There's no work we're going to do that is going to impact directly or indirectly what God has already preordained. The only thing that we can do is to align ourselves with the plan of God in what he's asked us to do, which is to go out into the world preaching the gospel, right? That, That we would baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we would teach them to obey everything he's commanded, and he would be with us always to the end of the age. He didn't tell us to be involved in some, uh, some, some social justice, uh, evangelistic, affirmative action program. That is not what we're to do. We're to go and preach the gospel, period. Yeah, man, Verge, come on, bro. That's I mean, Mike man, drop. That was fire, man. That was, Mike thank drop. You, thank you for that, bro. <laughs> you know, Coop, what you're talking about, man, is when people who want to take uh, these woke pastors who want to take that particular passage out of context, I call that ethnic eschatology. Ethnic eschatology. So what they do is they put they they take their ethnicity, and then they they eisegese themselves into this passage, and then make an ethnic hermeneutic out of it, uh, which fosters a, a an extra biblical idea whereby they divide back into groups what God has already accomplished in that oneness. They divide it back into groups. That's powerful. So, so, powerful. so that's what I mean by ethnic eschatology. You know, I, I tweeted a couple of days ago that one of the most asinine things to me within within the church, especially, but in the culture and the world at large, is that someone, anyone, that anyone would boast about their skin color as if they had anything to do with it. Mm. 
Yeah. That's one of the most stupid things I've ever witnessed that you would take any pride or, or, or boasting in your ethnicity or the level of melanin that you either have or don't have as if you had something to do with that. Mm. You have nothing to do with that. And not only that, you see, see here's the thing about the, uh, the ethnic eschatology that we're talking about here in Revelation chapter seven, uh, verse nine, and, and verse killed it. See, woke pastors and woke individuals, uh, evangelicals in general, it is the height of pride to say to yourself, hey, look at me, look at me, I'm, good. I'm in this group. I'm, I'm in this group when we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, that Paul says unambiguously that it is by God's doing that you are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> you had nothing to do with your salvation, nothing. Mm. So it, it is the height of pride to <clears throat> bring up that passage as if you had something to do, as if you're going to help God out. And see, here's the thing, too, Coop. That passage is in Revelation, the very last book of the Bible. Revelation, as we know, uh, given that's the last book of the Bible, Revelation is a, 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 a summary, a book that tells us that this is not only this is how things are going to end, but in God's sovereignty, in God's mind, these things are already so. These things are as, are as if they're already so, okay, in the mind of God. We are the ones here in this world. We are the ones trapped by the dimension of time. Mm. God's not trapped by this dimension. So everything that's happened that we see in Revelation, for us, some of this is a yet to be, uh, in, in terms of time, yet to be reality. But in the mind of God, this has already happened. Mm. We, we, we don't need to help God out. That's my point. My point is we do not need to help God out. In, bringing, in, in, in helping his church look from an ethnic standpoint how he's already determined it's going to look. Wow. What makes us think we can help God out with that? So that's what I said. So this whole ethnic eschatology is, is so stupid. I just don't know any other adjective to put it. This is just so ridiculous as if we have anything to do with that. It's absurd. And the true church must reject that kind of language. Hey, Coop, let me, let me add one thing really quickly because I, 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 I grabbed my Bible. I turned to that text of scripture. I began to look at verse 10. And so I say this for the purpose of those who believe like you and I and Daryl do, who, get, who have others use that verse of scripture to bring some form of ethnic eschatology in the way that Daryl described it. Verse 10 says that, first of all, let, let, me go, let me go back. It says, after I looked, behold, there was a, I'm in verse nine of chapter seven great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from every tribe and people and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice. Woke theologians would have you stop there and focus on the scene rather than to go on to see what now that all are gathered at the scene, what they are saying. And what they say next is the primary aspect of why they are Come together. On, buddy, Come on, bro. If you look at verse 10, it says this, and they're crying out with a loud voice. What are they saying, uh, Coop? They're saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Mm -hmm. Salvation belongs to our God. Yes. They're not saying CRT helped us to get here. They're not saying social justice help. This is this is not a text that is a prescription for a, recon, a, a racial reconciliation uh, life group 
to meet and talk about how we can attract more blacks and Hispanics and women to our churches. This is already done. And the reality is the focus is that salvation is of the Lord, period. Wow. I guess. Hey, uh, cool. Can I, can I, can I butt in one more time? Cool. Please you do. Come I, on, one baby. More time. I want to, I want to just augment what Virgil just said, brilliantly said, I want to go back to verse nine of Revelation seven. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count. See, here's what CRT does. See, CRT counts. Social justice counts. So CRT says, well, I'm counting the number of white people in your church and you got too many. I'm counting the number of, or I'm counting the number of black people or brown skin uh, people in your church and you have too few. So we need to help you help yourself by making sure we count. We need to alter those numbers. We need to skew those numbers so that they're more reflective of what God has already determined this church is going to look like in Revelation 7 9. See, that's how ethnic eschatology happens here in the, in the here and now. They count what we know from the text. Well, the number was, uh, it was a, a number that couldn't be counted. But CRT and social, the social, social gospel, they count. So they, 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 they count the number of uh, white people in your church. They count the number of black people in your church. And depending on how that number shakes out, they'll tell you, well, your church is racist. Mm. Your church, you're, you're not you're not a true church. Your church is suffering from whiteness. Your church is suffering from you 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 run you pastor an oppressive church because we don't see enough. You got too many white people and not enough people of of a darker hue of melanin in your church. You see, so so that's that that's that CRT uh, social justice working itself within the church as if uh, a, they're using Revelation seven seven nine as a leverage. That they're using it in a heretical way, in an erroneous way, but that's another way in which they leverage Revelation 7-9 in a uh, real-time uh, uh, venue uh, that we're in today within the church by counting the number of white bodies or black bodies in your church and then making you adjust your whole theology, your whole liturgical uh, uh, construct within your church must then be based on a woke hermeneutic, a woke gospel, a woke message that alters those numbers to the satisfaction of the woke. Mm. So you become oh. beholden to the woke, not to God. All right. That, yeah, that's, uh, I'm getting some mind blown moments. I'm loving it. I feel like I'm a fan listening, but I got to think about what my question is. But this takes me, <laughs> this takes me, you see, to, the, the issue there. Take, take your time. Take your time. Look, we long form. You take, take your time. Bro. You, 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 you might have to chop this up into two or three segments, brother. So it's all good. <laughs> all right, well, good well, I'm not ready to stop yet because it, this takes me then into this issue that we're hearing a lot of right now. Um, I mean, to be fair, we're hearing mostly, I think, from white woke people, but there are some some black uh, pastors saying it too. Maybe you know, Color of Compromise from uh, Jamar Tisby or, and some various people about this issue of color blindness. And, and what, it, what is difficult is that, you know, as Daryl said a few minutes ago, it's really prideful to look at your skin and think that, that you're, you're better than someone else. Well, obviously this country has a long history of that, right? From, from obviously from, from my side, we have a long history of that. And I think what you get are a lot of white folks who love Jesus, do love their brothers, uh, their brown brothers, their black brothers and sisters, and don't think like that, but now are being told, uh, you know, hey, uh, John Cooper, if you say that you don't see color, 
then that's just as racist as uh, saying the N-word, or I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but it, it, it feels that way to me, like that's what they're saying. You are not recognizing the worth of someone else's, I don't know, their value or their culture. And I'm trying to say, I mean, I think you kind of already covered it, but we're hearing a lot of these pastors say, in the church, you have to celebrate each uh, culture. And I, I guess what they mean is, I'm, I'm asking your opinion, if this is what they mean, do they mean that it is, let's say, I don't know, that we need to change a, a style of music that we play or the way people dress, or I guess I'm saying those things are superficial in my mind, but I also read that that is my privilege talking. It's because I, I'm in power is why I have the privilege to say that they are superficial. Are, are they superficial or are, are, are they not? I mean, you kind of answered, but it's, a, it, it's worth talking about, I think. Yeah, that's superficial. <laughs> to ask you a question, yeah, that's superficial. See, the irony about colorblindness is what someone like a Tisby will do is that he will go back, as he's done, as he's done in his book called Compromise and in other places and spaces, he will go back and reference, um, you know, uh, white theologians who uh, own slaves, you know, people like Jonathan Edwards, uh, uh, George Whitefield, uh, and, and others. Uh, so, on the one hand, he'll say, well, they, they weren't colorblind, but should have, should have been. They, they weren't colorblind, but should have been. But in, in, the, in contemporary speaking, he'll say, well, you shouldn't be colorblind. Ah. You, should see, you should see color. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, so which, which is it? Which do, you, which do you want? And see, this, <clears throat> to me, this is another example whereby Christians must reject <clears throat> this, these worldly terminologies such as such as colorblind. Because what happens, Coop, is when the question or when the assertion is made that you're not colorblind, we have, it's like Jesus said, I send you out as sheep among wolves, but you, you must be as harmless as doves. But what did he say? He said you must be wise as serpents at the same time. We, 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 we must be living, breathing expositors of the word so that when someone comes at me and says, well, you're just uh, you're you're not you're just colorblind. Don't don't accept that on its face. Don't accept accept that on its face. Uh, learn to be an apologist. And one of the things we have to do as apologists, Coop, is respond to a question with other questions. It's okay to ask other questions. Mm -hmm. Respond to a question. Well, what do you what do you mean? What do you mean colorblind? See, the issue isn't what I'm getting at here is that the issue is not colorblindness. The issue is heart blindness. That, that, that's what the issue is. The issue is heart blindness. The issue isn't what I see or not see with my eyes. The issue is what I, what I, what, how I interpret what I see with my eyes, in my mind, in my heart. And see, the gospel is the only message that answers that question. Yeah. The gospel is the only, you know, I, I've asked the question before, and I would ask your listeners and, uh, and viewers to consider this. Consider, explain to me, outside the gospel, what other explanation is there? Uh, to explain how what I can see with my mind, with my eyes, I can see the, what I see with my eyes, meaning your skin color, Coop, I see your skin color with my eyes. I see you are a uh, significantly lighter hue of melanin than me. How do you explain that what I can see with my eyes, I process as a thought in my mind, and then that is transformed into an attitude about you in my heart? How else other than the gospel can you explain that? See, if, if, if I hold up this, uh, this bottle of water and I ask you, 
do you hate this brand of water? You probably wouldn't say, no, I don't hate that brand of water. I might not prefer that brand of water, but you don't hate it, okay? Because why? It's, it's, it's innocuous. It's, it's, a, it's inanimate. It's, 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 a, it's a bottle of water. But see, when it comes to my attitude toward you, for better or worse, Coop, there has to be an explanation for that. Right. Why do why why do I why do why do I why have in my heart and my mind why have I formed a sinful bias towards you solely because of your skin color? So that question has to be answered, and the gospel is the only message that answers that question. So the issue is not whether or not I'm colorblind. The issue isn't what I see. The issue is what I think about what I see. Mm. This, 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 this is why this is why there was slavery. This was why there was Jim Crow. This was why there was discrimination. This was this was why uh, for over a hundred years, uh, black people in America uh, ha had to wait for more than a century to get rights that non-black people had. It was because it was nothing legislated. It was nothing political. It was hatred that was in the heart. Yeah, and you're not going to remedy that hate, that kind of hatred, by having roundtables about critical race theory, roundtables about intersectionality, roundtables about the social gospel, roundtables about reparations, because mm -hmm. the only thing that's going to and, and if you notice, Coop, whenever those kind of roundtable conversations happen, the only people who are invited to those conversations are people who already agree with one another about those topics. So yep. this is this is why Virgil and I have been blackballed by a lot of ministries. That I, 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 no pun intended when I say blackballed. We've been blackballed by a lot of well-known ministries out there. Uh, so we will never get invited to these kind of conversations because they know we don't subscribe to that uh, woke uh, hermeneutic that's being proffered by a lot of those ministries that have these uh, events and conversations around CRT and social justice. Mm. We stand on what the word of God says, and that's that. Yes. Okay, so we, we, we need to be careful to not be so ready to engage the world. As I said before, do not engage the world on the world's turf using the world's terms. If you engage the world on the world's turf using the world's terms, you will lose that battle every time. You must be so well-versed in the scriptures that you can get, engage the world using gospel terms, mm -hmm. gospel words, gospel vernacular. So you need to resist mm -hmm. terms like colorblindness and, and, and flip that and say, no, the issue is not the eyes. The issue is the heart. Amen. That's right. That's right. You know, that leads me to something else. Um, I know you've noticed it. It seems like what's happened is that the, the term uh, critical race theory that term has become sort of like calling somebody a communist. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's almost like people throw out the word critical race theory and it, and it sort of ends a conversation. And, and I'm okay to not use it, but here's the problem. The shift that I'm seeing now is for a lot of woke pastors and a low, uh, woke influencers, what have you, they are denying CRT, but they are not rejecting presuppositions that in my, to my mind uh, and to my intellect are definitional of CRT. 
and and that would be systemic oppressions, um, you know, power dynamics, and all those things. So now all of a sudden, we come to this place where I keep seeing a lot of a lot of a lot of these woke pastors or people they say, no, I reject CRT, but we have to deal with um, implicit unconscious bias, and that leads us into like things like, for instance, um, the idea of having uh, black safe spaces in in churches. And, and they'll say, no, no, we're not into CRT. It's just that black people don't feel safe here. They, they come to a place where they're exhausted um, because they, they, they have to be the only black people in these places. They're always, they're always the ones doing the work and they always feel alienated. They don't know the music. They don't know whatever. And they feel that they are being oppressed. And I, I, you know, I've read about this from a lot of people that besides the social justice issues are quite orthodox in their theology a lot a lot of great reformed theologians but when it comes to all of this stuff I, I just can't understand how that is a good thing in the church so i don't know if you want to i guess what i'm saying is this you said about the fbi you have to spot know how to spot a fake and i'm like yeah you're saying you're not crt but that looks pretty fake to me that's okay for me to think that right absolutely i'll, I'll, I'll jump in and say a couple things about that now i've I'm coining a term I call CRT light. It, it's less filling and doesn't taste great. Uh, that, 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 that's what's being promoted right now. CRT, they know that it's, it's a mess. So now they're promoting CRT light. It, it's less filling, but it, it doesn't taste great. And it's, it, it's problematic. And so we've got we've to we've abandon it. it, 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 it cut, we, if we examine the root, and the, and the root is bad, the fruit will be bad, right? We know, we know that, that a bad tree bears bad fruit and a good tree bears good fruit. This is CRT's bad fruit. CRT light comes from the same root. It, it's bad fruit. And so we've got, we've got to reject it. Um, prior to CRT coming along, right, and, and uh, in the 1960s, out of, out of critical theory, I mean, we could go back and do the whole timeline, but I, I won't do that for the sake of time. But but uh, we, we, we recognized long before that this was not necessary for us to identify the fact that brother hated brother. We, we, could, we, could, we could go back to, to Genesis chapter four and see the very first example of brother hating brother. That's long before CRT ever showed up on the scene. Uh, I want to touch on something that, that, that Daryl that mentioned uh, previously when, when we talked about uh, the, the, the issues of, of of race and, and, and color and do I see your color and do I not see your color? Um, that, that, that's irrelevant. And, and I think Daryl nailed it on the head when he said, uh, we've got to ask additional questions. What do you mean? Do I see, I don't see your color. You know, what, what do you, so is there something that I should see as a result of your ethnicity? And is that appropriate for every person who looks like you that I should see? What, one of the things that, 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 that most don't want to talk about with regard to, to color is colorism, right? Colorism. Come on, Bert. Within, within, within the black community, Coop, and this will be something for your audience to, to, to understand and recognize. Within the black community, Daryl is a, is a darker hue than I am. I'm a, I would be considered a light-skinned black. Daryl would be considered a, a darker-skinned black. There, there are issues, Daryl nailed it earlier. This is, these are issues of our heart that we have, issues in our heart that we have when we see someone who's lighter-skinned 
or see someone who's darker skinned. And, and we, we joke about it within our own community. I mean, at, at, at the point that Wesley Snipes came along, he made dark skinned brothers look cool. Right. Uh, you know, we, we've got, we've got, we've got, we've got singers, you know, out there, out there nowadays who, who, who are bringing like Chris Brown, he's bringing light skinned brothers back. You know I mean? All those kinds of, those kinds of, that, that that's colorism within our own communities and, and heart related issues as a result. So none of this has to do with, with color. It has to do with an issue of the heart that we've got it, that we've got to focus on to, but it's trying, trying to stay on the point of what, of what you kind of initially were asking about with, with regard to, you know, CRT and all these different CRT light. Well, I don't really subscribe to that. I do subscribe to this. We're seeing that happening. It doesn't change the fact that this is an absolute mess and it's unnecessary. It really is unnecessary for us to identify CRT, CRT light, less filling, doesn't taste great, comes from a bad, it's a bad fruit from a bad root of a tree that needs to be absolutely abandoned. Yeah, let, let me just add, Coop, to what Verge was, was just saying there. And I think a, a fundamental question that we as believers, as all believers have to ask themselves, not just those who um, are, are, might support CRT or, or any of these other ideologies, what you have to ask yourselves is, why bring CRT into the gospel? Why bring CRT into, into the gospel? See, see, even when used as a euphemism, people will say something and will say, well, that's the gospel. That's gospel truth right there. Well, even as a euphemism, when you use the gospel as a euphemism, what you're saying is that, uh, that with regard to whatever point you were making, that there's nothing else left to be said. Right. Yes. And see, that, that's, very, that's very important for us because when you, even as a euphemism, let alone in, in truth in, 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 in a biblical context, when you say something is gospel, you're saying, well, there's nothing else to be said about that. Mm. So, so, but when you, when you try to augment the gospel, and when you look at Jesus when he was crucified, he said, it is finished. Well, what is it? It is what Virgil alluded to in uh, Revelation 7, verse 10. It is that salvation has been accomplished. It's finished. Mm -hmm. Salvation has been accomplished. That's what's been accomplished. Now, so if the gospel fundamentally is a message of salvation and how uh, congenital sinners can be made right with an innately holy God, if salvation is ultimately what the gospel is about, and it is, what could possibly CRT add to that? Mm -hmm. What 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 in the world could CRT add to that? You know, uh, Coop, and I know you're aware of this, but Dr. Carl Truman uh, recently, matter of fact, just the very week that we're recording this episode, published a very interesting article on uh, evangelicals and race uh, race theory. And one thing uh, that Dr. Truman pointed out in that article, uh, he pointed out some great things throughout that article. I, I, I highly commend it to your viewers and listeners to go and check it out. But Dr. Dr. Carl Truman said about critical race theory, and this, this, if you know nothing about critical race theory, know this. Dr. Truman said, quote, critical race theory, like other critical theories, post-colonialism or queer theory, for example, is self-certifying. CRT is self-certifying. Its basic claims, for example, that racism is systemic or that being non-racist is impossible are not conclusions drawn from arguments, unquote. Now, why do I bring that up? Because the, this, this is how CRT makes its money. I mean that metaphorically and literally. This is how CRT makes its money. CRT 
being self-certified is, is an idea that is self-validating. CRT does not expose itself to objective argument. Right, right. It does not expose itself. And, and part of the objective argument that pro-CRTers are offended by is when you put the gospel up against CRT and you filter CRT through the gospel. Pro-CRTers hate that. And, and, and this is, I won't name names, but this is where some prominent pro-CRT evangelicals mm. get their get their feathers ruffled, if you will, because when you when you have an ideology like CRT that is self-certifying, self-validating, that is to say, it is not open to any objective analysis, okay, outside of itself, then you pretty much can can make up any sort of ethos or moral standard by which to live. Mm, okay. And, and what, what we, again, we as, as, as biblical theologians, as Christians who are called to be theologians, we are called to be able to, to proffer an apologetic for the hope that is in us. We need to be so well-versed in the scriptures that we can recognize that CRT, as Dr. Uh, Dr. Truman rightly pointed out, CRT is self-certifying. The only self-certifying truth that I know of is the gospel. Mm. The, the gospel itself validates itself. CRT being man-centered, being human originated, cannot be self-certified. You, you cannot say that CRT is inherently true because it's inherently true. You can't say that if, unless, you can, unless you can establish that CRT is true up against an objective, another objective ethical or moral standard, mm -hmm. CRT cannot be accepted as valid. Period. Just just on its face, let alone up against what the Bible teaches. Okay, so that's an important point for your listeners and viewers to understand that critical race theory, critical theory and all its varying components, they 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 are making inroads within evangelicalism because we don't we don't recognize that CRT is proffering itself as a self-validating truth that is not open to scrutiny. So the irony is. That's something that's called critical race theory is close to critique. Right. It's, cro it's close to others being critical of critical race theory. Yeah, I mean, that's really well said. And, and I think that what's really difficult is that even if people say, no, I don't, I don't believe in critical race theory. But even moving across from that, let's just say, fine, fine, fine. You don't believe in CRT. We're not going to call you a commie, all right? We're not going to call you a CRT theorist. But as you said, the presupposition, there's two presuppositions to it that demand allegiance. And that is a presupposition of, um, I would call monocausality mm -hmm. for yeah. everything. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a zero-sum game. And, 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 and that's what takes us into, which I think is another question, another question I want to talk about this monocausality, because there are, there are Christians that might hear what you guys are saying so far, and they might say, yeah, yeah, I hear you, but the gospel, there is an element of, of the gospel that we are supposed to go into the world and fix the things that are wrong with it in, in terms of, uh, I don't know if that's the right way to say that, but in other words, we are to show the world what kingdom culture is, and that should happen in the church. So there's an element of that. But, but I guess what I want to say is this, is that if you look at the world with 
zero sum game, you're actually going to end up hurting the world as well as the church, because in my view, and I'm asking if you agree with this, because for instance, let's just say a practical example, George Floyd, George Floyd uh, gets killed. Everybody agrees right, left and center that it was a terrible thing. Everybody agrees. Everybody says, what in the world is this cop doing? Everybody's mad about it across the board. Right. But if you don't, if you don't say it's 100% due to the, to, to racism, if you don't say it's 100% due to racism, then you are now a racist. And so the point that I think this is not just bad for the church, it's bad for the world is because we're not allowed to look at any other things that could actually bring help to minority communities or hurting communities, whatever those colors of skin may be, right? So like here in Kenosha, you know, we're, we're going through all the same stuff. We had the Jacob mm-hmm. Blake shooting. Yeah, yeah. As far as I know, everybody right, left and center watches the video, myself included. And I go, man, I really, I don't know why that cop had to shoot him in the back seven times. I I wish that wouldn't have happened. But in terms of what we can do to help a community in this, are we not allowed to talk about, this is the first time I've ever said this on a podcast, because I'm not trying to make people mad. I'm asking a question. Are we not allowed to talk about the fact of what has led to the fact that, that Jacob Blake did sexually assault a woman. What he did is called rape in, 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 in Wisconsin law. He is stealing a car. He is kidnapping her kids. He did fight with the police. We're not allowed to talk about any of those things because if you do, it, it's zero-sum game. So whether you believe in CRT or not, that's a real problem for society, is it not? It, it absolutely is. Here's the other piece of the problem that I can't get out of my mind. Uh, Coop, and that's that's this. It's for those who have ancestors who were brought from Africa uh, in a, in a transatlantic slave trade, put in the belly of ships, hmm. dragged out from their homeland to a country where the language was different, where the culture was different, where they knew no one, where they were in chains, who come out of that and then serve years in slavery to overcome that condition in in an effort to to eventually see emancipation from that condition, then to deal with Jim Crow and all of the issues surrounding Jim Crow, right? To deal with all kinds of black codes and all kinds of laws and and things that, 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 that were established as a result, to overcome all that to get to the day where now we're offended by thought, not by action, Hmm. not by action, but are offended by conversation. How, how weak have we become to the degree that we can't even have a conversation without somebody's little feelings getting hurt. How, how in the world? And, and, and for, for folks to have that, that historic narrative, for people group, to have that historic narrative of great strength and fortitude, to throw that away for an inability to even communicate without being triggered is mind-blowing. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Um, we've got to be able to have those conversations. We've got to be. One of the things I, I love about, about my partner is he spent so much time reading 
slave narrative. He spent so much time reading about slavery. We can look clear-eyed, full-faced into those conditions and still come away with understanding that man is incredibly, inherently, congenitally sinful. Mm. And as a result of that sin, the horror that can be that, that can be launched and unleashed as a result is 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 god awful tragic. I mean, it's mind numbingly tragic. You 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 alluded to it. I mean, you see the shooting. All of us are horrified. Period. Yes. Why are we horrified? We're equally horrified because we're all image bearers, and as image bearers, we understand the value of the, of a human being. What we've done is. We've devalued the imago Dei, an image bearer of God, and we've elevated the, the, the ethnicity of a human being. So now I'm, I don't care about someone white who gets, who gets shot. That's kind of what they deserve for being white. But I'm very upset when a black man gets shot, even if the shooting is justified, mm. even in a justified shoot. Right. I could give you all the evidence. You, you kind of again, you kind of brought up the case and here was this, here was this. And, you know, the officer felt like he was threatened. Here, and he did this. It could be a justified shoot. You could have a, You could have an individual with a gun aimed at an officer. And if the and if the person holding the gun aimed at the officer is black, there's no way in the world that that person should be shot. The Breonna Taylor case. Right. The police were getting shot at through the door. One police officer was hit, but because the person firing the weapon was black, there was no way in the world that the shoot was, was justified in the minds of many. We, we, we've, we've devolved. Our conversation, our communication has devolved mm. to such a degree that we can't have honest dialogue about important issues that face us. So all the, So for all of that, what we're t- what we're talking about in in church culture, especially because you all of us all of us here on this podcast belong to the church. What we're saying in church culture is we need to have more dialogue. But but what 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 Daryl said is so true. There'll be some of us who won't be invited to that conversation because of what we will say, mm. and, and we won't carry the narrative that they want us to carry. So we won't mm. be invited into that conversation. Yeah, you know, could Bird Bird nailed it again. See what's happening here is. Fundamentally, we in the church, we have such a low view and such a watered down appreciation for how depraved we are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Come on yes. now. Come yes. on now. See, this is why I love reading the Puritans. This is why I love reading the Puritans, because the, Puritan, the Puritans kept sin at the forefront of what the, what the true issue was. The true issue is our sinfulness. And we see... We have lost all sensitivity to how depraved we really are, congenitally depraved. I mean, from the moment you are conceived, not the moment you're born, from the moment you are conceived, it's like David said, I was conceived in sin from my mother's womb. Yeah. And see, again, I I tweeted something uh, uh, just yesterday, I believe it was, where I commented that, you know, that word broken. That word broken now has become chic. It's become the word du jour to use now when talking about the moral state of the world. Oh, the world is broken. We're all broken. No, 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 no. We're not broken. We're dead. Yes. We're dead. You're dead. Right. You're yep. dead. You're, you're dead 
in your trespasses and sins, Paul writes in Ephesians 2. Yes. You're dead. So so that whole uh that whole uh picture or that that analogy that you know you're you're without Christ, you're drowning without a, a life raft, you're drowning, you got one hand above the water, and then Christ reaches down and it just pulls you. You're just trying to stay afloat, but Christ reaches out and pulls you out of the water. That's not salvation. Salvation is that you're buried six feet under, mm-hmm. dead in your chest. You have no life. Yes. You've drowned. You're dead. Mm-hmm. You're born drowned in a spiritual condition of death. Christ raises you up from that death yes. and brings you to new life in him. But see, we have such a low value on how sinful we are. Yes. That's where the conversation needs to begin. See, we, we, we like to look at what happened. We don't like to look at why it happened. See, why, the, the why isn't what the circumstances of the shooting. That's not the why. The why isn't what this black person was doing when this white police officer shot him. That's not the why. That's not the question. The question is based on why do we need guns? Well, <laughs> why, why, why do we need police? Right, right, right. That's the question. Why do we need police? That's we smart. need we we need guns. We need to put we, we need police to protect ourselves from one another. Hmm. That's why we have law. Fundamentally, John, that's why we have law. Laws exist to protect sinners from other sinners. Wow. That's why laws exist. You see, hmm. so we have fundamental questions that we need to ask when situations like this occur. As you know, John, we dedicated Virgil and I. On our Just Thinking podcast, we have an episode on the George Floyd situation titled George Floyd and the Gospel. We also did an episode on the Breonna Taylor situation titled Breonna Taylor and the Gospel. So I think uh, one of the, I think our podcast has gained a reputation whereby people come to us when, when ugly incidents like this happen because they know that number one, we don't shy away from those issues. And then number two, we're going to speak to those issues objectively through what the truth of Scripture says. We're not just going to sit there for two and a half hours and give you our opinions. Or our we turn, feelings. We, or our feelings. We, we turn pages, dude. We, we look at what the Scripture says, and that's what we offer you. Okay? But what's happening in these, in these uh, situations here? And see, what people have to ask themselves is this. When these incidents happen in the George Floyd Breonna Taylor, the situation you guys have there in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Ask yourself and be honest with yourself. When I became aware of this, to which of these individuals was my bias toward? And why? Mm. Once you answer the first question, answer the second question. To which one of these individuals involved did I have a bias, a, a favorable or a negative bias or unfavorable bias towards? Okay, once you answer that question, ask yourself why was that? Did you have a positive bias towards the victim because of the victim's skin color? Ask yourself why. Mm. Did you have a positive or negative bias towards the police officer because of his skin color? And ask yourself, see, that's the, that's the conversation we need to have. Yeah. That's what the gospel roots out. See, that's where the gospel goes. The gospel goes into the heart and roots out motives. Mm. Motives. You see, what people want these days is justice by ethnicity. This is this, this is what they, they want. They want they want 
favorable outcomes, and I wrote a blog article about this, like titled Equity Versus Equality. What people call justice, you see, is actually not justice at all because it's, sub it's subjective. It's not objective. What they want, they call justice the, the outcome that they want. Yes. So, so when a case, when a situation like there in Kenosha, what happened with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, if the outcome is what I want, then that's justice. If the jury convicts this police officer, this white racist, uh, white supremacist police officer, uh, then, then that, yeah, that's justice. But when a, when a jury follows the law, they follow their orders from the judge and, and they remove their biases, they remove their emotions from it, and they come to a conclusion based solely on the evidence, either pro or for, and that outcome is not what you desire, well, that's injustice. Yes. But right. see, scripture teaches, see, scripture teach, I want your, your, your audience to hear me very clearly on this. Injustice, biblically speaking, injustice is not non-justice. Mm -hmm. Injustice is not non-justice. Yeah. Now I say that I'm going to try to go here real quick. I'm going to I want to say that on the basis of James chapter five. <clears throat> uh, James chapter five, I believe. I'm oh, sorry, First Timothy five. First Timothy chapter five, verse twenty-four. If I can flip there real quick. See again, this is why we need to be students of the scriptures. Students of scripture. First Timothy chapter five, verse twenty-four. This is why I say injustice is not non-justice. In that passage, Paul writes this, the sins of some men are quite evident going before them into judgment. For others, their sins follow after. Mm. You see, what Paul is saying here is that there are gonna be times where what we view as an instance of injustice, that's not gonna be immediate. That's God's not gonna deal with that in his life. Yes, that's right, that's right. Some some folks God will deal with in this life. Some folks will get God's justice in this life. But there are going to be other instances of other situations where you won't see the justice of God manifested in this life. But God's got them taken care of too. Because mm. Paul says, no, their sins follow after. Mm. We, God's going to deal with them in the next life. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So, so again, as biblical Christians, which we all should be, we should be biblical Christians where we, we, we filter and we, we digest and we understand, we discern these instances of violence and whatnot through what the scripture says and, do, and we don't impart into the situation our cultural biases, our emotional biases, or any sinful biases whatsoever. We must allow the scripture to educate us on how we view these situations and again, understand that injustice is not non-justice. That's so nice. You got to say it twice, right, Virgil? <laughs> you, know, you know it is. <laughs> oh, say it one more, one more time. Let's see, because I got to get a tattoo that says that. Yeah, say it yeah so it's in, injustice is not non-justice. It's 1 Timothy 5.24. Injustice is not non-justice. People think injustice is that you didn't get justice. That's right. No, no, yeah, you got justice. It's just going to be in the next life. Yeah. But, what, it, it, but even still, you cannot have a biased, subjective definition of what justice is. When you rely on the sovereignty of God, and all three of us buy into that doctrine, we're sold out that God is sovereign. It's like Dr. R.C. Sproul said, there are no maverick mole molecules floating around outside of God's uh, omnipotent power to control. God is sovereign over everything that happens in his world, both the good and the bad. Proverbs 15, 3 says that that the Lord sees both the evil and the good. The Lord looks about on the face of the earth, seeing both the evil and the good. 
Yeah. Nothing escapes God. And that's what Paul is talking about here in 1 Timothy 5, 24. The sins of some men are quite evident going before them. So you're going to be judged right here. You're going to be judged in here now. He says, going before them to judgment, but for others, their sins follow after. Mm-hmm. Now, it, 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 listen, Paul, Paul says in mm-hmm. Romans 8 that this world in which we live is, 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 is captured by corruption. This is, this is the whole creation is bereft with corruption and that we're waiting for God to redeem this world. That's what we're waiting for. And I don't say what I'm about to say haphazardly or casually or anything. But the instances that you're talking about, John, the situations you're talking about, that's what you're supposed to see in a sinful world. Mm-hmm. It's captured by sin and corruption. That's exactly what you're supposed to see. Yeah. And we're waiting for this world to be redeemed by Christ when he comes back to make all things new. Christ, is, he's going to take this ugly world and make it better and patch it up. Mm-hmm. No, he, he's going to make it new. He's going to make it all, all, all things new. First Peter 3, 13 says, this is where Peter says, he says, for, for us, for believers, we're waiting for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. We're not waiting for this earth to become better. Right. It's not. We're waiting for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So I would encourage your listeners and your viewers, John, to take hold of 1 Timothy 5.24. Understand that verse in context and understand that injustice is not non-justice. I love that. Beautifully said, beautifully said. And, and on, a, on a personal note, that I, not just to you guys, but I want, I want everybody listening. If you want to hear awesome podcasts on George Floyd, um, uh, Breonna Taylor, whiteness, BLM, you got to go to Just Thinking. Go to Just Thinking Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Look up those episodes. They're fantastic. Now, it is a little unfair to you guys because the truth is you guys do lots of great stuff. It is true. It's just that your voice is so unique on those issues. There's nobody, in my opinion, there's no one in all of that I'm aware of in Christianity talking about those issues in a better way. But the truth is all of, I mean, what you guys did on, uh, uh, what was it? Assurance of our salvation. I think it yes, was called. Right. Yeah. Yeah, sure, salvation. All of that kind of stuff. I, yeah, I, I Christian mean, contentment, our blessed hope. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, a blessed hope. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. they're really so good. And on a personal note, I would say, let's see, my life with God has deepened a lot in a really special way in the last six months. And I would say that has become because of my love for the Puritans that I picked up on because of you guys, because you would always quote Puritans and I'd go, well, man, I got to go get that book. And so uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of uh, Ryle holiness as yes. we speak. Yes. And uh, the, the Puritans, I just want to say this one last thing, and then I'm going to, I'll just, I'll give you guys a chance to say one final thought, if you will. The Puritans focus so much on how much the flesh is at the door. The flesh mm-hmm. is always, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. never a second, never mm-hmm. a moment where the flesh does not want to take you out. And they focus so much on that, that the more I read the word, now I see it everywhere, right? I see, mm-hmm. I see the depravity of man everywhere. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've talked about on my podcast, which you guys have too, which you just mentioned, all of these concepts we're talking about, whether it's CRT or the zero sum game of, power dynamics, yada, yada, whatever you want to call it. It really does redefine sin and the guilt of sin. Yeah. Who is actually yeah. guilty before the yes. Lord? Yes. 
Right. And I think it's actually a better and more biblical way to see the world that, as you just said, seeing sin is what you expect with a people as fallen as we are, as needy mm-hmm. of the gospel as we are. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this one question, um, and you guys can talk about it or not or disagree. I want to start, uh, excuse me, I want to end where you started. You started this thing basically by saying this, that we will know a fake if we study the real thing. Mm-hmm. And it sounds to me like you are saying yes there's hope for salvation in Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is oneness in Jesus Christ. Basically, if we focus into the Bible, focus into the unchanging word of God, it will cause us to not be so thrown to and fro on mm-hmm. every wave of doctrine. Mm-hmm. Do you guys believe that as we end up Cooper stuff? Verse, go ahead. Well, I absolutely do. I think what we're, what we're looking at and talking about is whether or not others who claim the name of Christ actually believe the same thing. At the at the end of the day, it, it's it, you know we, the, the big fought, the big fight that that uh, that has been has been won, so to speak, especially in, in Southern Baptist circles, is the is the issue of biblical inerrancy. You know, is the Bible uh, is the Bible inerrant? Is is it free from error? And 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 that war that battle has been fought, and and I believe won to a great degree. Well, the reality is that in that an, another insidious battle lies, and that is, is the Bible sufficient for all of godliness to inform us, to instruct us in all manner of, of righteousness and godliness? And, and I believe that it is, and, and I believe what it, that it means, what it means by what it says, and I believe the student of the scripture is the one who is fully equipped to handle every good work. And so that would be my admonition is that we stay focused on the text, that we stay focused on the scripture. And what Daryl and I do uh, on the Just Thinking podcast is that that's what we do. We open up the Bible. I thought about when he was talking, uh, when he said we turn pages, I thought that might be, that might, that might look good on a shirt, man. <laughs> <laughs> We turn the pages, bro. That's how we do it. You got to use that. All you got to use that. And I just use that somehow. Absolutely. I was just gonna say to you, Coop, and that'd be my last thing as I toss to to Daryl is just to say thank you for having us. I know. I know this is not your normal. This is long form for you. This is this is a, a longer episode. Thank you for your patience with us. Thanks for having us, and we're honored to be connected with you, man. I want you to know that from my heart. I know we've got each other's numbers. If there's ever anything you ever need from us. Uh, in any way, shape, or form, man, don't hesitate. We love you. We love what you're doing. We love what you stand for. I love how you're using your platform to advance a, a deeper theological understanding. And uh, it, it's awesome to witness. We will share your stuff as you have done uh, for us. And uh, just know we're connected, man. We appreciate you so much. Oh, amen. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate yes. it. All right. What you got, Daryl? Turn the page. Yeah, cool, cool. I'm, I'm, Turn I'm those gonna... pages. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the beginning as well. You know, uh, you offered me an opportunity to sort of share with your listeners and viewers uh, the genesis of the Just Thinking podcast. And the, the, our podcast, as I mentioned, launched back in December 2017. Where prior to that, I had a blog by the same name. I've been blogging uh, on these issues, these very same issues that we've been uh, discussing here uh, for almost 10 years. So when you look at the three years that Virgil and I have been together, plus the nearly 10 years that I've been blogging on it, you know, that's... That's, uh, that's 13 years, so we're, we're not newcomers to these issues, is what I'm trying to say. But I, I mentioned that because on my blog page, the first header image that I had there was a, a painting of 
Cain murdering Abel with a stone in his hand. Hmm. Now, what, what the significance of that imagery is that all these issues that we're talking about and that I've been, I and Virgil have been talking about over more than 10 years now is rooted in the same root cause. Sin is rooted in the same, sin is the root cause of all these, it's the common thread that runs through all these issues that we've been talking about. So I've always loved Genesis 4. That's why I had that painting of, of the Bible doesn't tell us how Cain killed Abel, but that imagery of, a, of, of Cain uh, on the ground with his brother uh, Abel on his back and Cain bearing down on him with a huge stone in his hand just reminds me, and I would encourage your listeners and your viewers with Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, where, where before, before Cain carried out his murderous act against his brother, God warned Cain with these words. Genesis 4, verse 7. God is talking to Cain here. Let me go back to verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, here's the warning. Sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. That's Genesis chapter 4, mm -hmm. verses 6 and 7. And I'll just encourage your, your audience, Coop, uh, to remember that. Every waking moment, you know, Luke 4.13 says, this is after Jesus has been tempted in the wilderness by the devil. Luke 4.13 says that at the end of those temptations, the devil left him alone until a more opportune time. Mm. That's Luke 4.13. So I'll just leave with your audience to always know, always be conscious, especially those who are believers. Just like Cain, sin is always crouching at the door of your heart. It is always crouching there. Yeah. Waiting to pounce. Sin is alive and active. It is an entity. It's not just the acts, the sinful acts we do. Sin is an entity all its own. It's got its own constitution, its own nature. It is alive and well. It is always crouching at the door of your heart. It is always seeking an opportunity to take advantage of you. And what we will see in the church as it affects the society at large, we will see gospel fruit being born as we as individual believers submit ourselves to the word of God and obey that word in society. Yes. That's how, that's, that's if I, I hate this term, that's a social gospel right there. Mm -hmm. That's a social gospel. You obey, and then let society benefit from your obedience. Okay. So, so again, I just want to thank you, bro. Thank you, Coop, for having us on, man. Uh, we love you, man, and we, and we say that from the depths of our hearts, bro. We haven't known each other very long, but that doesn't matter in the body of Christ, bro. We have a love for you, man. Like a Virgil said, if you ever need anything from us, you got. It. We love you, man. Thank you I love friends. it. I love it. Thank, thanks for turning those pages. I, 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 that's my new thing. I'm going to start saying it all the time. Now, pages, it's time to turn some pages up in here. Um, man, I tell you what, I can't thank you guys enough, man. What, see, 2021 might get kind of weird, but, but my year's starting off right. If, if my year gets any better than doing this interview, right. it, we're, we're going for it anyway, man. Thank you guys so much. I hope everybody had a great time watching this episode. Thank you, people, for watching Cooper Stuff. Read the Bible. Cooper Stuff!
Just Thinking is now available on the Family Radio app. If you're not familiar with Family Radio, you're in for a treat. Family Radio is a different kind of radio station. We are passionate about the Word of God. If you like the Just Thinking podcast, you'll love our bold biblical teachers like John MacArthur, Alistair Begg, and many more. Our stories of hope testify to the power of Christ to change lives. And our music will help you worship God throughout the day. Classic hymns, new hymns, and worship rich in theology. We are honored to add Just Thinking to the Family Radio app. Find out more at familyradio.org or download the Family Radio app from your favorite app store. Family Radio and Just Thinking, coming together to keep you thinking from a gospel point of view. Was blind, but-